Welcome to Podcast with Lara Axtell, a seasoned educator of 26 years. In each episode of Podcast, Lara explores a current educational topic from a variety of perspectives to identify practical solutions to help improve the future of education. Podcast is brought to you by Reading Horizons, the creator of a data-driven literacy program for beginning readers, struggling readers, and English language learners of all ages. Visit readinghorizons.com to learn more. And now, Podcast, with your host, Laura Axtell. Welcome to Season 3 of Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Axtell. This season, we have a whole new set of important topics to cover, including today's discussion on the value of text in reading instruction and intervention. Does it really matter what students are reading? And who decides what's best? There's a great deal of confusion about the type of text, and our guest today, Dr. Amy Murdoch, will share some light on some of the essential questions about types of texts and literacy programs. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Murdoch. Oh, thank you for having me. Before we dive into some of these questions, uh, could you just share your role in higher ed and how you came to this work? Um, I am currently the program director of the Reading Science uh, Master's Degree Program at Mount St. Joseph University in Cincinnati, Ohio. This is a graduate program that has um, a master's degree in the science of reading as well as a dyslexia certificate and a reading endorsement for teachers who live in Ohio. We are an International Dyslexia Association accredited program. And so in our program, we really focus on the science of reading, meaning that we really look to um, educational research to understand how best to help children learn to read. And I came to this work. Uh, I've been at the university now. I'm going into my 12th year. Before that, I had a number of different roles. Uh, my background is I have my doctorate in school psychology with a focus on reading intervention and reading disabilities. And I worked in Cincinnati Public Schools on a large reading grant called Reading First, uh, where we were working to improve the reading education as well as intervention and assessment, kind of everything about reading um, in the highest poverty, lowest performing 11 schools in the district. So we did teacher professional development, um, lots of new curriculum and intervention supports as well. Well, I'm really excited to get your take on some of these questions that keep coming up. So first of all, I guess, could you explain the importance of text in reading instruction and intervention? Do young students and struggling readers need to read text while they are learning how to read? That's a great question. And absolutely, texts are super important when we think about helping children become strong readers. And I always like to start with thinking about reading in terms of what does it take to be a proficient reader. And we know from the research um, that reading has kind of two main domains. Um, there's the domain of language comprehension, which is understanding background knowledge, vocabulary, language skills, all of those things that help us understand what we read and kind of make, make sense of it. And then there's also kind of the understanding the code and how we how we get to the language comprehension piece. So being able to see printed words and being able to read them. Um, and so texts in reading education are important for both purposes, but we use very different texts depending on our purpose. So if my purpose is to build it for a young reader, somebody who is just entering the world of reading, so kindergarten, first grade, if my purpose is to really help them learn that code, how to, how to help them actually read printed words, I'm going to use texts that are in service to that purpose. Um, and that's where we would use things like decodable text. Um, 
I've just taught them a bunch of sounds and, and now I want them to blend those sounds into words and I want them to practice reading those words in text because we know that's really important. Now, my other purpose for young readers um, is to help them build their language comprehension skills. And for that, I would read to them wonderful children's literature, um, books that have complex sentence structure, that use different and higher level vocabulary words, more academic words, and just tell beautiful stories. Um, for that, for a kindergarten or first grader, that's going to be high above their actual reading level where they're still kind of reading very simple words. So we want to make sure we're using texts that we read to children to build their language skills while at the same time helping them enter the world of reading where they read texts that are very purposeful in laying out our code for them to learn. Well, there are lots of terms applied to different types of texts. We hear about decodable text and level text, etc. Could you define the major types of texts that are typically used in reading instruction and their usefulness? Yeah. Um, so again, kind of thinking back to the purpose of what we're doing. And in beginning reading, you do hear level text and decodable readers both use for that second purpose I mentioned around helping kids with the code and, and really learning how to read. Um, and those two different texts come from very different models of reading. Uh, decodable texts really come from the model of reading that says we want to teach children our phonetic code. So we want to very purposefully, explicitly, and systematically teach that code. So we want to be thoughtful about how we do that with children and how we make sense of that. If you're following that model of reading, the scientific model of reading, then you're going to choose decodable texts, texts that help you for that purpose. Decodable texts are ones that are written and, and chosen to match the phonic sequence that you are teaching. So if I have taught, you know, C, M, A, and T in terms of the, the, the sounds that they make, uh, the graphemes, then I'm going to use a decodable text that has lots of words that use those sounds. So the cat sat on the mat. Not great literature, but serve to really help kids um, practice those sounds that they've learned and blend those sounds into words and, and make sense of those within a sentence in the context of a book. That's really important. So decodable stories really have at least 90% of the words with patterns and um, words that kids have learned so that they can really practice blending those sounds um, doing those words fluently and making meaning of those very simple kind of texts. And we do that very, very carefully for, for our beginning readers and, our, and also our struggling readers because we want them to see that the code, once learned, makes sense and can be applied and practiced. Level texts, which you also see talked about in beginning reading, really come from a very different model of reading. And that model of reading sometimes is talked about as a top-down approach, um, whereas phonics might be a bottom-up approach, where we're really the, the focus of leveled texts are, are often that they're chosen or written to match more of a thematic unit. Lots of words are presented as sight words. Um, often they're, they're presented in a predictable pattern, so something like the goats go, the cow goes, the animals go, the ducks go, and so on. So it's very predictable so that kids, rather than focusing on sounding out words, they're really focusing on more predictable patterns of sentences to help them anticipate what comes next. And that's a really, that, that text is written 
based on a very different understanding or a model of reading, which is more of a whole language or balanced literacy approach. So that's one of the ways you can tell a curriculum and how it's how kind of the models it's coming from is by looking at the, the text they use and how they use those texts. Um, and so both of those are two different ways of really helping kids understand and learn the code. The, the other purpose I mentioned, that language comprehension purpose, is more text that you would choose because they have interesting plot lines, they have beautiful vocabulary, um, more diverse sentence structures, so that you're really, and those are ones that the adult would read to the child, that you're really introducing kids to more complex ideas, more complex language, and, and talking about those to build their background knowledge and their understanding of how our language works. Because once they get the code, we want them to be able to understand what they read when they get into more advanced books, like in the third and fourth grade, which, which comes really soon. So we wanna work on both parts of the reading um, kind of development simultaneously. But again, the text we use would be very different given our purpose. Let me ask you about genre. For example, fiction versus nonfiction. Often younger students are reading stories while older students are reading more kinds of informational text. Does it matter what type of genre or text the students are reading? And is there research to support the best type of text based on grade level or age? Yeah. Well, I think kind of going back to the purpose, when we're talking about building language comprehension, skills. So when we take off the burden of decoding and just think about what kind of ideas do we want our students exposed to, um, it does matter. And we want, the research would say, we want children to have broad knowledge of a variety of texts and a variety of, of concepts and, and ideas. And so it is important to think about what our students are being exposed to in reading. Um, and then when they're little, it's what we're reading to them. And as they, as they grow older, like in the third and fourth grade, when they can read fluently across a variety of texts, you know, what we're exposing them to. So the research tells us very clearly that time spent reading is powerful um, and important. And we do want kids to read a variety of things um, so that they can expand their background knowledge, expand their exposure to lots of different vocabulary and hopefully their enjoyment of reading so that they, you know, choose topics that they're interested in as well as, you know, making sure they have a, a good diet of what they're exposed to. Well, that brings us to a couple of other points. So what about struggling readers who often resist reading? Is there any evidence about how much reading time is necessary? Yeah. Well, the, the first thing with struggling readers, our first goal with struggling readers, so if we're thinking about, when I, when I hear that, I, what comes to mind is maybe a third grader who's really struggling and not, not reading enough to keep up with their peers in terms of what their peers are reading. The first goal has to be to get them to read fluently. So we want to make sure that we are teaching them phonics and teaching them the code so that we can help them be able to read independently at the rate that their, their peers are. And we want to make sure we're doing that as efficiently as we can for those students. So making sure we're, we're teaching the skills that they don't have, reinforcing the ones that they do so that they can enter the world of reading. Choice is really powerful for kids, and we do want them to be able to have choice. But what's even more powerful is success. And so kids who find reading really difficult, they choose not to read because it's so darn difficult. And, and no human likes to do things that are, you know, extremely difficult and punishing to them. So we need to make sure that we're providing them enough support in terms of reading intervention 
so that it's done in a, in a positive, supportive way and building their skills quickly so that reading no longer becomes punishing. Because I think that's, that's one of the things we see with um, struggling readers is, you know, the way you get better at reading is really, you know, time with reading. But if you're struggling, you don't want to do that. So we want to make sure that they have a pathway to get to be strong readers so that then they choose to read. And you mentioned choice. Um, how important is it for students to decide what they read? Very, very important. <laughs> but they need our guidance in that. So, you know, choice for humans is very powerful. Um, and we know we often have to really work hard for some of our struggling readers to give them good choices and things that they can read. Because if their skills aren't very strong, you know, what they have available to them might be more limited. So it's very worthy time spent for interventionists and um, teachers to find things that their students can read and enjoy, because we do want to build that enjoyment as well. But enjoyment doesn't come, you know, without also having skill. So it is very important to find choice, but we also want to make sure those choices will be successful for kids. So if a child loves soccer and I choose, you know, this wonderful book about soccer for them, but it's so far above their level, it's going to be, you know, it could possibly be punishing for them to read that. And so we have to balance choice with also making sure they can have success as they're engaging in it, because we do want to build that idea that reading is important, but also fulfilling. And we do that through success. We'll be right back. Podcast is sponsored by Reading Horizons, the creator of a data-driven literacy program for beginning readers, struggling readers, and English language learners of all ages. With data-informing software and teacher-led instruction, students receive targeted intervention that leads to rapid reading improvement. Visit readinghorizons.com demo to see how Reading Horizons can transform your reading instruction. I'd like to talk for just a second about older students. You know, there is this whole focus on informational text, finding evidence in what you're reading, and really kind of the whole academic part of reading. But again, as you mentioned, struggling readers are going to avoid any type of reading. So how do how do teachers of older students, so secondary teachers, really address what they're asking students to read? Yeah. Well, I think I'll, I'll start with kids who aren't struggling, um, and then we'll talk about the lessons that go for kids who are struggling. For kids who aren't struggling, absolutely, teachers of older students need to make sure that their students are having instructional support and time spent reading informational texts because that's where they're headed. They're, you know, if they're heading into high school and college, um, and that's what we read in high school and college for, for the majority. I mean, there are good English classes as well, don't get me wrong, but, you know, the, 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 the reading that we do as professionals and adults in our jobs is much more informational text than um, fiction. And so we have to prepare our students for what they're going to be asked to do. So we do that through, by making sure, again, that there's a variety of texts that students read and that we match our support and our instruction based on the difficulty of the text. So if it is something that's very difficult to access, let's say the U.S. Constitution, they're reading you know, a, a primary text document um, that is the U.S. Constitution and they want to parcel through that, that instruction by a teacher needs to be much more um, directive than if they're reading, you know, a novel by Toni Morrison, and then it's more they read it on their own and they discuss it. So one of the things that I think teachers of older students need to think about is 
the difficulty of the text and what level of support is needed. Even with my graduate students, I have to think about that. So if I give, if I assign to my graduate students a very challenging research article um, that uses a lot of statistics that they might not be familiar with or does something that's, you know, very foreign to them, then I want to make sure that my instruction up front is helping them to access that. So really thinking for those older students, how are they able to access the information in that text? And for kids who are doing typically well, you know, they're not struggling. Often that's not with the code, but more with the ideas and the language to get them ready for it, background knowledge often. Our struggling students who are older, those students we really have to understand, you know, say, say they're um, an eighth grader and they're still really struggling with reading. The first thing we have to understand is what parts of reading are they struggling with? Um, because an eighth grader, it's not that they're all the way at like a second grade level, meaning they're reading exactly where a second grader is. Typically, those eighth graders who are struggling, they may have some skills from second grade. They might have some things that they're missing. They might have some skills from, you know, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. So really important with struggling students who are older is doing some good assessment to understand, first of all, where in you know, our code, are they missing key skills? So maybe they're missing more advanced phonics skills. They're having difficulty with multisyllabic words. Or maybe they're even still missing some, you know, very early phonics skills. I mean, I've had, I've worked with eighth and ninth graders who are still not understanding short vowel sounds because they never had good instruction in that. So with older students, I really think of, you know, if you think of a nicely paved road, if you think of that nicely paved road to reading, Older students might have potholes. They might not be missing whole sections of the road, but they have potholes that are making it difficult for them to, to smoothly access um, the printed word. And so it's really our job as instructors um, of saying, where are the potholes? And then very systematically and explicitly filling those potholes so that we can create the smooth road to reading for students. So we think, we think about the kind of our, our phonetic code and, and where the skill strengths and deficits might be there. And then we also need to think about for those older students if they have, you know, needs in the area of language comprehension. And again, often this will really depend on the subject area and the text we're looking at. So maybe it's somebody who, you know, really struggles with more advanced kind of science concepts and they're reading a science text and that's where they're really having difficulty. We have to think about what is the vocabulary they need, the background knowledge they need, um, to access that more advanced science text. So it's much trickier with older students because the, the number of skills that we expect has grown exponentially as they've gotten older. With younger kids, the number of skills we expect is smaller, so there's a smaller number of things that we um, focus on. Um, as they get older, you know, there's more and more skills, and so our, our work has to also be very precise in terms of understanding where that child is what they need from us as, an, as a teacher. And you mentioned choosing the right level of text. So what about identifying text complexity with measures like Lexile levels? Is that important? Do you think that's, that's a benefit to educators who are working with this diverse group of students with a wide range of reading abilities? When we're talking about you know, older students, that, that can be helpful to, to begin to point to a direction. But th the challenge with leveled text is there's all sorts of different ways that we level text. Sometimes it can be by vocabulary. It can be by number of words in a sentence. It can be by, 
less popular or less known vocabulary words, so academic kind of language used. So level, just knowing the child's level that they're reading, if you do an assessment about kind of leveling where they are, doesn't give you the information you really need in terms of what specific skills does that child need to be taught and how do I, how do I address those? So I always say knowing and understanding a child's Lexile score might be a place to start or to look at, but, but more importantly, I really need to understand where are they in terms of their phonics skills, um, their language skills, their vocabulary skills, their comprehension skills. You know, there's much more refined information that I need. And th that's really the place to start in understanding how to, how to help a student. Um, and when they're, when they're young, when they're just beginning kind of entering the world of reading, or if they're a, you know, elementary age struggling student, in terms of matching them with a text to help them with decoding, it's much more important to match that through understanding their decoding level than understanding a language comprehension level. So prior to really this focus on what kind of text, there really needs to be an assessment of where are they so that you can match them to the right kind of text. Yeah, I, I always think if we want to understand their skills and we want to match our instruction to what their skill needs are, and then we use text to help and aid in our instruction. So if I understand um, I have a, a young child who is still at the kind of very beginning of a phonics sequence, I'm going to you know, match my instruction to make sure I teach them exactly where they are, and then I'm going to use decodable text to reinforce my instruction so that they can have practice in a real text with the phonics sounds and skills that we've worked on so they can get the sense of fluid reading. That is really helpful information, I think. And I've got one last question. How much do you think this discussion of text is embedded in training programs for teachers? Do you think that educators have the kinds of information they need relating to text and text selection? I don't. I think that's some work we need to do in higher education. Um, and there's been a lot written in, you know, popular, popular press as well as academic press about really needing to make sure our teachers are trained in the science of reading. As I said at the beginning of our conversation, this really boils down to a difference in model of reading. So the model of reading that I ascribe to is a, the scientific model of reading that really talks about reading from having two domains, and I really want to teach those word recognition skills and language comprehension skills, and how I teach those and the text I use is very different. And the word recognition skills really need to be taught systematically and explicitly, and the texts I use are going to be decodable texts that reinforce learning of the code. And I think not all teacher ed programs, you know, really ascribe to that science of reading model. And that's what we need to kind of change. We need to help make sure our, our teachers who are being trained or our in-service teachers who are coming back for graduate work are really being trained in the way that we know is the best way to help children learn to read or to remediate reading problems. Well, this is hopefully a step in the right direction, just getting that information out there. So thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks to all of our listeners. Join us for our next episode, where we'll discuss an important topic you've probably never heard of, shame fatigue. 
What happens when children struggle with reading from an early age and spend their lives feeling ashamed and less than their peers? Next time, you'll hear from several adults about the very real consequences of undiagnosed dyslexia and its impact. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Podclast. To be notified when future episodes are available, subscribe to Podclast on iTunes. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a review. Podclast is brought to you by Reading Horizons, the creator of a data-driven literacy program for beginning readers, struggling readers, and English language learners of all ages. With data-informing software and teacher-led instruction, students receive targeted intervention that leads to rapid reading improvement. Visit readinghorizons.com slash trial for 14 days of free access to our software. Reading Horizons. Reading is for everyone.